and 18, how that year started for my family was the same notification that I had to give Kara last night. My brother was working underneath his vehicle at his farm home when it slipped into gear and ran over his head and killed him instantly. While searching for how to process the pain that we were feeling, I just felt like the Lord nudged me to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. I think that when you come from a fairly strong family background, where your needs are provided for, where, you know, there's not, there's, there's not divorce. There's parents that love each other, that love you. Every one of my ball games growing up, I could look to a sideline and find my dad there. My dad made me come to church, didn't give me an option. We worship together on Sunday morning and we worship together again on Sunday night. We worshiped again on Wednesday. Just what we did, that's how our family was. I think that's why our family was so strong. But when something happens to you that is outside of your control, that transcends the strength of your family. And you feel a new level of weakness that you've never felt. That's when you need something greater than yourself. You know, in America, we don't like weakness, do we? No, we, let's, let's be honest. We, we, we almost teach our boys growing up. Don't show them you're weak. Don't show them you're weak. Suck it up, boy. I'll give you something to cry about, right? That's what we do. And, and some, some of us dads, we mean well by that. And sometimes we don't mean so well by that. But it's all part of our culture. Don't show weakness. Hide it. That's why you have 14 filters on your camera app. Right? Because even social media has caught on to our infatuation with with looking perfect and put together and strong. So when you take a selfie, you've got 14 different ways to make yourself look better. Yet there's some seasons of life and some situations in life where your best filter won't cover up the ugliness. There are some things that make you so weak that a pet talk will not cheer you up. You don't need a dad saying, suck it up. You don't need a filter Erasing every one of the blemishes. You know what we need in seasons like this? I'll tell you what we need in a statement. The grace of God. The Apostle Paul was perhaps the greatest missionary to ever walk the face of this earth. Wrote two-thirds of our New Testament. One particular day in his life, 14 years before 2 Corinthians 12. 
the Apostle Paul got to go on a supernatural journey to heaven and back. That was like a mountaintop experience. You've been in those seasons of life? I don't know, maybe a wedding day? The birth of your first child, like little Camilla was born today, or yesterday rather, sorry. Eli and Savannah's little daughter was, was born. Your child's graduation from high school. Their first hit in Little League. I don't know. You know those days where it's just like nothing can go wrong? It's almost like you went to heaven and back. Aren't you thankful God graces us with those kind of days? But because we live in a, in a sin-stricken world, I would say there may be more days when the fallenness of our world rubs us against, uh, ups against, up against us. It shakes us. It unsettles us. It rattles us. And now we've got to face the pain of death and disease and divorce and betrayal. Financial brokenness. Mental illness. Broken friendships. What do you need? What do you need when you go from like heaven back down to earth? You need the same thing the Apostle Paul needed. God's all-sufficient grace. You know what Paul told this church? He said, you know what? 14 years ago I went to heaven. And I, if I wanted to make a spectacle about it, I, I could. And I probably would. But let me tell you why I don't. It's because God and his sovereignty decided to give me a thorn in the flesh. That's what he says. Got your Bible open? Verse 7 of chapter 12. And lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations. In other words, lest I get cocky because I went to heaven. There was given to me a thorn in the flesh. For centuries, Bible scholars have, have argued about what was the thorn in the flesh. Was it eyesight? Was it arthritis? Was it the fact that he was single and never was able to get married? Was it loneliness? What was it that was like a chronic pain in his life? I think the Holy Spirit inspired Paul to just leave it general and vague on purpose. Because he wanted us to be able to fit in our thorn. Right there. If Paul would have been so specific, we might be tempted to think, well, that doesn't apply to me. Because my situation's not that bad. Or we might look at it and say, my situation's way worse than that. I'd take that thorn any day. But the Holy Spirit said, Paul, don't tell them what it is. Just, just tell them it was a thorn. That word thorn, the, the original word choice, didn't mean that it was a splinter. 
It wasn't a splinter. In our, I could say it this way. It wasn't a head cold. It wasn't a broken finger. It wasn't the stomach bug. That original word choice means spl- like, like steak or spear. The same type of weapon the Roman soldiers used to pierce into Jesus' side at his execution. We're talking about something that Paul woke up with every day and went to bed with every night that hurt him like someone was spearing him. I don't know what it was, but what is it for you? I know what it is for Kara today. I know what it was for my family in 2018. I know because I'm pastoring some of you through thorns right now. So I know what some of your thorns are. And I pray for you. Whatever it is, you've got to learn to come to the same conclusion the Apostle Paul did. Look at your Bible again. Verse 8. For this thing, I besought the Lord thrice. I prayed three times. That it might depart from me. If you're having a hard time figuring out what is the thorn in my life. It's the thing you're asking God to fix. It's the thing you're asking God to take care of that you can't take care of. It's the thing you're telling God. Take this away. Make this easier. Change this. Redo this. Reorder this. Fix this. Why does it keep poking me? For some of you, it's a relational difficulty. For some of you, it's your finances. You just can't get on top of it. For some of you, it's a situation at work. It's a boss. It's a fellow employee. For some of you, it's a sibling rivalry. For some of you, it's cancer. For some of you, it's chronic pain. For Kara, it's a funeral. Take it away, Lord. And this is crazy. God said no. Why? Why would God see something hurting us? And say no. Why would he let my brother die like that? Three kids all under the age of nine, loved his wife, loved his family every night saying, Jesus loves me with his girls. Every night. Served on the school board. Owned a barber shop. Served in the children's church in their little Baptist church. Why? The only thing we can conclude is verse 9. Instead of saying, yes, Paul, I'll take care of that. Here's what God said. And in my Bible, it's red letters. My grace is sufficient for thee. For my strength is made perfect 
in weakness. Why does God say no sometimes? He says no. Because he gets greater glory through our weakness than he does through our strength. Sometimes God has to let something happen in our life. So that we will depend on him and receive his strength in a way that without that hurt, without that thorn, we would have never ran after his strength in that way. I can't give you an explanation for why the thorn is in your life, but I can give you a possibility. Because if it weren't for the thorn, you would not have the space necessary for this level and type of God's strengthening grace to come into your life. Why do I say that? Because strong people... They're not typically humble people. People who have all of life figured out aren't generally praying people. People who never have any questions for God, well, they never really open the word to see what he has to say. People who can make sense of all their life because they can pay the bills and they can raise the kids and they can send the kids to college and their marriage is great. People who are strong all the time, do they really need to come to church? Not in their mind. So God makes us weak so that we'll look up. God allows things to happen in your life. So that you'll run to the cross, not away from it. And it's there, hear me, it's in that weakness that you'll find God's strength. It's not despite the weakness. That's not what he says. He says in weakness. God's hands aren't tied because of our hard times. God is writing the portrait. He's painting the portrait. He's writing the story. God is saying, I have allowed this. It's in this that you will experience my strength and my grace in a whole new way. What did did that do for Paul when he heard that answer to prayer? Because I know when some people hear God say no... They get super mad. Super bitter. Super angry. And they immediately go to cursing God in their own sanctified way. God, why did you pick me for this? What did I do to deserve this? Why not them? Why not him? Why not her? Why me? Sometimes in our human nature, we just have to process through those thoughts. And maybe Paul did. But after he came through that, here's what he said. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities 
that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities and reproaches and necessities and persecutions and distresses for Christ's sake. Why, Paul? For when I am weak, then am I strong. Wow. That's not the same Paul that was up in verse 8. God, take this away. Why are you doing this? But after the red letters, after the voice of God, maybe after quite a bit of time, he was able to say, thank you for that, Lord. That's what he means. I'm going to glory in my infirmities. What? What did he mean? Is he mean he's going to thank God for the pain? No. He's going to be thanking God and praising God for what the pain is going to produce. It's going to produce strength that otherwise he would have never, ever had. I'm going to be honest with you. I wish we wouldn't have to have difficulty to get stronger. Why a thorn in the flesh? Come on, God, can you pick a more comfortable way? And I just think God knows our frame. God knows. He's like, I made you. If I kept you comfortable all the time, you wouldn't need me. You wouldn't even want me. You wouldn't even know you needed me. And God said, I know best. Trust me. What I'm allowing into your life is going to help you if you'll let it. And he describes it this way. God's all sufficient grace. That is one of those terms, and I I know some of our churches heard this before. But that's one of those terms where you're like, what does that mean exactly? You know, you, you, you ask somebody, how are you making it through this? And they're going to say something like this. Well, just the grace of God. And, and you're like, can you sp- please not speak to me in Christianese? Like, talk to me like a human being. What does that mean? It's vague, right? But I think that what Paul means when he says all sufficient grace, and I think what we mean when we say that to others, is this. God has given me what I need when I need it. Got the descriptor there. Sufficient grace. Enough grace. Paul is saying that when the thorn weakens me, then however weak I become because of this thorn, that's how much of God's grace he will give me. That's the promise. Bar your imagination. You got a glass of water. And we'll just say it's a glass, no water in it. The emptiness of the glass represents your thorn, your weakness, your trial, your darkness. 
And you need water because water represents God's strength, God's grace. So you're directed to a nearby hose over there. And you go to the faucet and you turn it on and it doesn't come out fast, it comes out slow. Just a, just a little steady flow. And it fills your empty glass all the way to the top and it stops. And you think, how does it know? You have all you need when you need it. So you get through that bit of emptiness in your life, that bit of sorrow in your life, that trial. But life happens and it's a little worse this time. Now you have a five gallon bucket. It's empty. You're directed to the same hose, same faucet, same water. You're just hoping the plumbing works. It helped you last time. Will it help you this time? This is bigger. And you turn on the faucet and here it comes just really slow. And it fills that five gallon bucket to the brim and it stops. How in the world does it know? You'll have all you need when you need it. And then another sorrow happens. Another funeral happens. Another diagnosis. Something even worse and more scary and more tragic. It's not a glass. It's not a bucket. It's a wheelbarrow. You haven't faced something like this ever. And with what little faith you have. You wheel that thing over to the same faucet and you think, I don't know if it can fill this time. God, do you really have what I need this time? But you turn on the faucet and out comes the same water with the same pace. And it's going back and forth in that wheelbarrow until it fills it up to the top and it stops. All you need when you need it. Life is good for a while. You go to heaven and back a few times. All my bad things, they're behind me. The the stories of trial, they're behind me. I can just look, I I can look forward. There's light at the end of the tunnel. Life is great. And then a pastor shows up on your front step. At midnight with a police officer. Then you get a call. And something you never thought you'd have to deal with is sitting on your lap. And it's not a glass. And it's not a bucket. And it's not a wheelbarrow. It is like a a semi-trailer. And you're like, I can't take any more. And the Holy Spirit whispers... Get to the hose. But God, you don't have enough for this. Get to the hose. It's too big. Get to the hose. I'm just going to run. Get to the hose. You don't love me. Get to the hose. How could you let this happen? Get to the hose. When is it going to stop? Get to the hose. So you reverse that sucker to the hose. You still go to church even when you're hurt. You still pray even when you're hurt. You still love people through their their own weaknesses even when you're weak. You still forgive 
You still serve. You still teach. You still sing. You still love. And you're like, God, fill me. And you back up and here comes the water. And it's not coming fast. That's not how God works. It's just slow. It's steady. But it fills up the tank. To the point where the tank can't take another drop. And it stops. Once again. You've got all you need. When you need it. That's what God meant. When he said, Paul, I'm not going to take away your thorn. But I'm going to give you my all-sufficient grace. And that's why Paul could write. I will glory in my infirmities. Because the power of Christ is coming into my life in a way that without this thorn was never possible. Paul is saying this. I backed up to the hose and God proved it. He's been enough every time. And he's enough this time. And so I will not stop now. So what is that message for us? It's simple. We got to learn how to embrace the thorns of the flesh. We play dodgeball with pain like kids play dodgeball in the gym. No, I don't want that one. I don't want that one. We've got so many supplements and homemade remedies and diets and everything else to avoid everything that the fallen world throws at us. Well, you can't avoid everything. You will go through something. And know this, that when you do, it is God's means of making you stronger. So what about when I get in the middle of it? Well, then learn how to receive God's grace. Receive God's grace, what do you mean? Get to the hose. Go to the places where God's grace is easily accessed. Don't run from them. We want to run from God when there's pain. And that's when we need to run to God. That's when we need to trust God. That's when we need to talk to God. That's when we need to worship God. What else, Tyler? Repeat. Repeat. The Bible doesn't say God's mercy is new every month or every Sunday. His mercies are new every morning. Hurting Christians learn to live in a rhythm of embracing their pain, receiving God's grace for that day, and then repeating it all over again. If you're facing a thorn in the flesh today like our sister Kara is, then maybe God just needed for you to hear this message that I had no intention on preaching. To let you know his grace is sufficient for you. So get to the hose. Don't run from him. Don't get upset at him. He is a good God. He makes no mistakes. Trust him. Pour your heart out before him. And as I prayed with the deacons this morning. 
pray this prayer. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. Make all things new. Fix it all. Because when we get to heaven, when we get to heaven, we won't need no hoses. We will be in the presence of all sufficient grace. No trials, no death, no disease, no sickness, no betrayal, none of that junk. Just peace and joy for all eternity. Would you bow your head and close your eyes right where you are? Don't stand.